Well, good morning, everyone. It is indeed uh, an honor and a privilege to stand here to open God's word to break the bread of life for you all. Sam's not here today. Uh, anytime the pastor is away is a great time to pray for the pastor. So sometime today, make sure you lift Sam and Angela and the family up in your prayers. I love Christmas. Uh, you're going to get a Christmas sermon today. Uh, the gospel is so rich in uh, the opening chapters regarding Christmas. And today we're going to look at a few of the characters of Christmas. There are so many. We don't have time to look at them all. But today we will look at them. But before we do that, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And today I pray simply that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm sure we all want to have a special Christmas this year. I know I do. I remember back when I was a kid, some of the questions that were asked of me were, what's on your list? Uh, or what are you looking for? And I know I have memories, and perhaps you do too, of finding just what you were looking for under the Christmas tree. Certainly know that Christmas lists are not what Christmas is all about. But all around us, there's such great confusion. I was talking with one of the members of my staff this week who's of the Sikh faith, S-I-K-H. She's born in India. She's celebrating Christmas. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, Dave Barry is a Christian author and uh, comedian, and he writes in, about Christmas in his notes on Western civilization. To avoid offending anybody, the school dropped Christmas altogether and started singing about the weather. At my son's school, they sang increasingly non-memorable songs such as Winter Wonderland, Frosty the Snowman, and Susie Snowflake, all of which is pretty funny because we live in Miami. A visitor from another planet might assume the children belong to the Church of Meteorology. So I'd like to talk today a little bit about how we can escape the confusion and the commercialization of Christmas. How can we make this Christmas a special Christmas? And I think the answer is found in returning to the question, what are you looking for? Whom do you seek? And what is there to find? Christmas is a time of great expectation. And as we approach the Bible and study the Bible, God's plan of redemption unfolds. In fact, all of history unfolds as a time of expectation. God's plan of redemption, we learned last week, was put into motion back all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. God promised a redeemer 
God promised that Satan would strike his heel and the Redeemer would crush Satan's head. And as we move through history, we gain perspective on redemptive history. God protected his people, and the promised one to end their oppression under the law was promised and given. A perfect law keeper is what the Old Testament promised. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them. If not, maybe you can find one, to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to do sermons the old-fashioned way today. We're going to open up our Bibles. <laughs> and uh, so you're going to have to find the text and read it for yourself rather than rely upon the PowerPoint. I guess they call me Dave Mueller old schooler for a reason. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 9. I just wanted to read starting at verse 2, uh, a few verses. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. And let's give attention then to the reading of God's holy word. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The Israelites have been looking for this perfect law keeper, this, their Messiah, for over 700 years when Christ was born. And as we learned last week, as we looked at the book of Malachi, it had been 400 years of absolute silence from God when Christ was born. Paul explains in the book of Galatians, chapter 4 and verse 4 and 5, that when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption of sons. In the Old Testament, every sacrifice pointed forward to a perfect sacrifice. Every day of atonement pointed forward to a final and complete perfect sacrifice. And in the New Testament, God's plans unfold in the gospel. So it's helpful to return to the first Christmas to gain perspective for this Christmas and ourselves. Today I'd like to look at just three characters of Christmas and consider their expectations. Consider who they were looking for and who they found. And if you have any sense of the Christmas story, you will know that they found the Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, Emmanuel. 
They found all they could have hoped for and dreamed for in the life of a baby, Emmanuel, God with us. So first, let's consider the wise men. Turn in your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Starting at verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. The wise men, or the magi, asked the first recorded question of the New Testament. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Where is he? They sought the king of the Jews. But why? Well, some have thought they came for political reasons. There were two major powers in the world at that time. Partha in the east and Rome in the west. And Judea was sort of a buffer zone between these two major powers. Rome and Partha had battled before, and Partha had turned Rome back twice. And some think these wise men came because they had political clout, and they thought that maybe they could benefit from an alliance with a new king in Judea. I prefer more spiritual reasons. After all, this is a story of the incarnation of the Son of God. Why would the wise men come for political reasons? The wise men were very familiar with the occult and Eastern religions, and perhaps they had seen the emptiness of them all and hoped to find truth in this one who had been promised by the Jewish religion in their holy scriptures. I believe they were on a search for meaning and purpose. They sought a king. And as we read in Isaiah, the Old Testament had promised just such a king. In Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, uh, uh, the prince of peace would come. Isaiah promised the prince of peace. The wise men sought the king of the Jews. They found the prince of peace for the world. The wise men sought a ruler, a leader. They found one of which the increase of his government would know no end. They sought a governor, and they found the one who would reign on David's throne forever and establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness forever. They sought the king of the Jews. They found the Christ, the king of kings. The wise men were seeking. So the question is for us, whom do you seek? Have you asked the first recorded question? of the New Testament. That's the most important question you can ask. Where is he? Where is he? The first question God asks in the Old Testament is to Adam. And he asks, where are you? Where are you? And God is still seeking the prize of his creation. God is still seeking in fact, Christ would later say in the Gospels that the reason he came was to seek and to save the lost. The New Testament asks, where is he? 
And it's interesting that the wise men asked this question. When they asked this question of Herod, he found the answer from the chief priests. But no one ever went to investigate. No one ever went to see. They missed the story. Now I asked Siri this week, what is the distance between Jerusalem and Bethlehem? The answer, according to Siri, 5,771 miles. No wonder no one went. So I said, I asked again, but was told I could not get directions. I asked a final time, saying, what's the distance between Jerusalem and Bethlehem, Israel, not Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and discovered it was a mere five and a half miles, Jerusalem to Bethlehem. The year was December 1903. The Wright brothers were down at Kitty Hawk experimenting with flight. They telegraphed their sister, we flew 120 feet, stop, we'll be home for Christmas. Their sister was very excited about this news and she took the telegram to the reporter, the newspaper editor, who read it and said, wow, how nice, the boys will be home for Christmas. He missed the story. It seems all Jerusalem missed the story. And so the wise men returned to their country by another route. They were warned in a dream not to, not to go to Herod, to avoid him. And literally, in the, in the Greek, they returned a different way. Now that's according to the global positioning system. They returned a different way. But spiritually, they returned a different way as well. For when you find Christ, your way of life and your way in life is forever changed. Have you found the Prince of Peace for your life? Or perhaps you have, are you experiencing the Prince of Peace in your life? Christian and non-Christian alike, listen. There are no worldly answers lasting to find peace and purpose in your life. There are no lasting worldly answers to finding peace and purpose. Only Christ. Only Christ. The wise men came looking for the king of the Jews. For peace, meaning, and purpose. They found the Prince of Peace. They found the Christ and they were satisfied. You too can have that same peace and purpose this Christmas when you look for him. You too can understand and get away from the world, uh, our news, our lives are so filled with turmoil and despair that it can even affect us as believers unless, unless we look to this Christ child this Christmas.
as the saying goes, wise men and women still seek him. But what about the shepherds? The shepherds weren't looking for anything, were they? Let's consider the shepherds. You have to turn over to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And look down at verse 8. Luke chapter 2, 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. The shepherds were content to spend a quiet night on a Judean field. They sought no king, but were they looking for anything? They were minding their own business, doing their job, and as far as they were concerned, that night would be the same as any other night. When suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Look at verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Of all the people in the world to make this announcement to, shepherds, Shepherds. Shepherds in those days were probably on the lowest low of the social hierarchy scale. Some considered them despicable, untrustworthy, dishonest. They weren't even allowed to testify in a court of law because they would surely lie. And I would imagine they were somewhat stinky since they were camping all the time. So why the shepherds? Well, there was another kind of shepherd who, though he might have been a stinky, uh, had higher purposes. There were Levitical shepherds. If you recall, in Jerusalem, every day there were being sacrifices made. And these sheep that were being sacrificed, these spotless lambs, were raised in Bethlehem, in the fields outside of Bethlehem. And so there were Levitical shepherds who cared for them and guarded them and made sure that they truly were spotless lambs to be offered for a sacrifice. But regardless of whether you think they were Levitical shepherds or common shepherds, I think God chose these shepherds because they were looking for someone. These men obviously knew God and didn't fit the stereotype of the shepherd of that day, common shepherd. And as David had, a thousand years before this, had communed with God while shepherding, I feel like these men were too. It just makes sense that God would announce the birth of Jesus Christ to people who were looking for him. Bethlehem shepherds, whether Levitical or not, I think they had a favorite Bible passage. And now I'm going to stretch your Bible knowledge by asking you to turn back to the book of Malachi. I mean Micah, I'm sorry. Micah. Micah chapter 5. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. So somewhere you'll find one of those books. And you'll know Micah is near there. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. 
This is a prophecy. Micah 5.2, but you, O Bethlehem of Pathra, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, for you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. This is a prophecy about the coming Messiah and that he would be born in Bethlehem. A ruler, the Messiah, would come from Bethlehem, their hometown. They knew the Messiah was to be born in their town, and I think they were looking for this ruler. They wondered when. God had been silent for 400 years. But I think even more precious to their minds, these shepherds, than a ruler from their hometown, the Messiah being born in Bethlehem, I think even more precious to their own minds is found down in verse 4. Micah 5, 4. And he, talking about the Messiah, shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. This ruler that they were looking for would also be a shepherd, just like them, but a shepherd for them, a shepherd for their souls, their own shepherd, one to guard them, one to nurture them, one to protect them. Isaiah in chapter 9 said that this Messiah would be a mighty God, an everlasting Father, their mighty God, came. The angels appeared to announce to these Bethlehem shepherds that their mighty God, their eternal shepherd, their everlasting Father had been born. He's come. The silence is broken. These shepherds were looking for nothing and hoping for everything and their eternal shepherd was here. They found the Christ. The angel Gabriel, when he announced Christ's coming and that of John, proclaimed to Mary, nothing is impossible with God. That's in Luke chapter 1. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Nothing is impossible with God. Do you need a mighty God today? A true father today? An eternal shepherd for your soul today? There's a saying among the millennials, and I have two of them as kids. Adulting is hard. I don't know how we put it when we were a kid. I'm a boomer. Uh, <laughs> it's true, though. It's a true statement. Adulting is hard for all of us. What is the seemingly impossible thing that you haven't even bothered to talk to God about? And why not? We need to look to Christ and hope for everything and expect more. We can look to Christ and we can have hope when we look to Christ. 
it's been said that if our greatest need was for information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need was for technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need was for money, God would have sent an economist. But because our greatest need was for forgiveness, God sent a savior, a savior for us. And Christ seeks to be that savior and to be your shepherd. Christ seeks to be the eternal shepherd for your soul. He is a mighty God, the everlasting Father, just as promised. You know, there's a contrast between the wise men and the shepherds, if you think about it. The wise men were rich, and the shepherds were poor. The wise men were influential, and the shepherds despised. The wise men were learned, and the shepherds unschooled. The wise men were far off, and the shepherds were near. Yet in spite of all their differences, they had two things in common. They were looking and seeking answers for life's questions, and they found those answers in this Christ child. Where will you find the Christ child this Christmas? Where will you find the impossible, the incredible, the incomprehensible? Now, listen, I am not preaching the prosperity gospel to you today. I am preaching you the gospel today. It is Christ. He is the answer. Consider Christ, your mighty God, your eternal shepherd, your everlasting father. Amen. Well, one final character for our consideration this morning remains. And that is a man called Simeon. And he's also found in Luke chapter 2. Now, he was a man who was definitely looking. Look down at Luke chapter 2 and down at verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit, of, in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom, he took him up in his arms and he blessed him. It's very clear that Simeon was seeking. He had been given this promise, and he was waiting I love history, so some of my illustrations might all be from history. The year was 1809, and Napoleon was sweeping across Europe and, and the world, for that matter, with resounding battle victories. All the world wondered where it would end, how far he would get. But you know what? Napoleon's influence did end. The people of 1809 were unaware that the true and lasting influencers were actually in cradles that year. Born in the year of 1809, Abraham Lincoln, Charles Darwin, Oliver Wendell Holmes, Edgar Allan Poe, Mendelssohn, and the list goes on, that's just a few. 
in the cradles of 1809 were people who are still influencing the world today. The religious leaders at the time of Christ's birth were not seeking the Christ child. But Simeon was, and so were others. All eyes were on Herod, and when he was troubled, everyone was troubled. Simeon wasn't looking to Herod. He was looking for someone else. You know, we don't know a whole lot about Simeon. What we know is we found just read there. He was Jewish. He was righteous. He was devout. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And he had been promised to live until he had seen the Lord's Christ. What a promise. He was directed by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple on the very day that Christ was being presented by his parents. Simeon was on an assignment to watch and wait for the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. He would be a signpost. He would be the herald. He would be the watchman to look for, to announce, and to proclaim that the Christ has come. Simeon was looking for a promise to be fulfilled. Simeon was looking for the consolation of Israel. That's what Isaiah had promised the Messiah would be. He was looking for God to comfort his people. He was looking for God to redeem his people. He was looking for God to speak into the world so that all would see God's salvation. Simeon was looking for and he found the wonderful counselor prophesied by Isaiah. He found a wonderful counselor who could comfort a world lost in sin. Think back to last week's sermon and how dark it was at the time Malachi wrote those words. He found a wonderful counselor who could comfort a world lost in sin, who could restore broken fellowship with God, who could make it possible to be a true child of God, who could remove the enmity between God and man. Simeon found everything he was looking for in one baby whose birth we are celebrating this season. That day in the temple court, the Holy Spirit directs him right to Mary and Joseph. And he asks to hold the baby. And he says this down in verse 29. Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon found hope. <clears throat> Simeon found faith in a promise-keeping God. And so can you. The promise was a thousand years old. Isaiah's promise was 700 years old plus. Simeon had no problem taking this baby in his arms and blessing him. Think about that. Think about the consequences. Uh, Simeon's like, okay, uh, it's time for me to die. He had been waiting his life, and he had had this promise. But he had room for a savior. He had room for a wonderful counselor. He had longed for a savior. He had waited for a savior, and he accepted his savior. He took him in his arms. <clears throat> the plight of Mary and Joseph that first Christmas has a spiritual analogy for us. 
all Mary and Joseph wanted was a place for Christ, and they had to settle for a stable. So many of us are also looking for a place for Christ this Christmas, this season. And it's hard with so many distractions and all the other things that crowd him out. <clears throat> all you need today, all you need this Christmas, all you will need in 2020, you will find in Christ. He longs to fill all of you, not just have a place. So what are you looking for this Christmas, this new year? Whom do you seek? Simeon sought the promised consolation of Israel. He found a wonderful counselor. The shepherds sought a shepherd for themselves. They found a mighty God, the everlasting father, a shepherd for their own souls. The wise men sought a king. They were looking for meaning and peace and purpose in their lives. They found the prince of peace. Listen, whatever you seek, whatever you need, whatever seemingly impossible thing needs to happen, whatever promise needs to be fulfilled, whatever burden needs to be lifted, whatever problem needs to be solved, whatever circumstance needs to be rectified, whatever relationship needs to be restored, whatever mountain needs to be made low, whatever crooked path needs to be made straight, it will only happen. It will only happen in Christ. He's your wonderful counselor. He's your mighty God. He's your everlasting father. He's your prince of peace. He is all of that for you. And to the degree that you will look to Christ this Christmas and make room for him and worship him and thank God for his indescribable gift, to that same degree, you will have a Christmas filled with meaning and purpose, filled with faith and hope, filled with joy, and filled with the wonderful counselor promised so long ago. Won't you make this Christmas the most special one ever. Let's pray.